This is Hannah from Hall Beer Shop and you're listening to Daft About Craft. Daft About Craft is sponsored by Hall Beer Shop based in Stourbridge in the West Midlands. You can find a huge selection of craft beers in store and online. Check them out at hall-beer.com. Daft About Craft, the craft beer podcast. Welcome along to episode number 18 of Daft About Craft, the craft beer podcast. We're here again, me, Dave D. And me, Dave B. And we're looking forward to bringing you the lowdown and all things craft on our latest episode. Um, Our last one was our longest episode yet. Hopefully you stuck with us right until the end. Um, We're not planning on making this one quite as long, but we have got another packed episode for you. No end of stuff as usual, which is hopefully what you're after. We spoke to Dan from High Spruing Company, who are in Sheffield, and really impressed with them. Dave made the link because he got to go to Brew London, where he met lots of people, and we will talk about Brew London in due course. But one of the first things that's come out of that is our chat with Heist Brew. But that's not all we've got, is it? No, we've got a whole load more. I talked to our friend John from Lords while I was at Brew London. We've got that audio coming up. And we're going to feature that on our drink-along section this time, where I'll be telling you all about Brew London as well. What a great event that was. And the story about uh, missing the last train home and a very, very expensive taxi ride, which you'll be thrilled to hear about, I'm <laughs> sure. Uh, Dave hasn't heard about this until now, and uh, I can tell he wants to know all about it. So, yeah, we will be telling you about that. We've got Hype or Tripe. We've got our favourite beer since the last podcast in Tried and Tested. But the first feature, which we always kick off with, here on Daft About Craft is Brew To Me, where we sample a beer from a brewery we've not had before. And Dave will kick us off as usual. Yeah, it's quite interesting because we never collaborate on what we're going to do with Brew To Me. We just sort of let each other go find their beer and then select. But we have actually managed to pick the same country. But when you actually realise that we've managed to pick Sweden, yeah. of all places, it it's quite strange. Yeah. Having done, th- having done this for all these months and then we both choose Sweden after 17 episodes, it's it's I mean, quite strange. I mean, if we both pick Scotland or something, okay, yeah. But mm. Sweden is a bit, um, a bit of a weird one for us both to pick it. And we only just found out just before we started this section, we, we don't usually ask each other at all what we've got, but we just happened to mention to each other that our beer was from Sweden, but from different places in Sweden. You're in Malmo, which we'll get to in due course, but I'm in Nora. I have no idea where Nora is in relation to Malmo, nor do I really have any idea as where Malmo is in Sweden, unfortunately, as as much as I'd like to. I don't. I've never been to Sweden. I know, obviously, it has an amazing craft scene. I also know it's prohibitively expensive as a place to go visit and enjoy, so that's kind of detracted me. But anyway... I would love to go there because there's some ace breweries in Sweden. Absolutely. Led of course, by our friends Omnipolo. We mm. had Henneck on a previous episode. If you haven't checked that out, please do. But I've not gone for Omnipolo because I've had plenty of theirs and they are ace. Instead, I've gone for Apex Brewing Company. And what I've got is, in theory, right up my street, I've got a dipper, 8%. It is called Asmodeus. 
Not much more information than that. So I don't know what hops are involved. And Apex shouldn't be confused with Asvex, who are a brewery that will be launching soon-ish. Yes, Asvex is former Neon Raptor and is someone that we will hopefully bring to you in a future episode. There are discussions ongoing in that one. But back to Apex. Apex, weirdly, there's a lot of connected tissue here, which is really odd, because if you look at Apex's on Asmodeus, I mean, we could be looking at Holy Goat here, but we're not. The most important thing is how does Asmodeus as a beer taste and smell? Quite fruity. It look it looks like it should be fruity. It's mm-hmm. quite a bright yellowy orange. Yeah, we're, we're, we're bright yellow haze here. I would say quite, just a circle in the glass, quite thin. I say it was thin looking on the glass. It's not thin to taste. It's very full. It's fruity, but there's quite a decent dry hop. It's not too much, but it's it's quite a heavy dry hop. Okay, if I was going to try and pick hops out blind, I think I've got Citra. I think I've got Mosaic, and I might have something else in there which I can't quite pin. It's not well-beating, because I will say I've probably had something similar along the line at some point, but it is decent, and I'm going to have no issue finishing that. It's just... It's nothing I've not had before, almost. Would it remind you of anything you've had from British breweries that we might know about? Definitely elements of Neon Raptor in that. Also, if you like Verdant, it's not veggie, but there is a hint of that there too. I'd say it's probably more one for the the Neon Raptor fan. If you like Neon Raptor and the associated breweries, you'd sort of put in that pigeonhole. You'll enjoy that, but... Don't know if I'm going to remember that in a few weeks' time. Shall I uh, take the lid off mine? And I say take the lid off. I mean, it may take me a little while because, as we can see, we've got a wax lid. It's been a while since I've taken any wax off a bottle, so this should be fun. Well, while you're doing that, I've just managed to have a look at my... If you're going to show off, you can shut right up. No, I'm not (laughs) going to show off because I only got 33% of it right. Uh, Well, that's better than some. So I got Mosaic right, although I did sort of couch myself and say it was mosaic as Simcoe. It was mosaic. Okay. I didn't pick Columbus. Oh, that's a, that is not an easy one to but, pick though, is it? But the one that was in there, which I couldn't pick was Vic secret. Oh, that's, yeah. Again, that's not one you come across all the time, is it? So it was, a, it was a tricky trio in that sense, but it was perhaps gettable. And also interestingly, the yeast is the London fog yeast, which I have had from Rivington, and other breweries have been using that London Fog Yeast, and that is really decent. I would also just say perhaps some of the British breweries are using that a bit better than in that occasion. So I read somewhere or heard somewhere on a podcast recently, the best way to remove uh, wax tops and bottles. Can I remember? No. No, I was going to say, it's not the way you're doing it. But... Lipping neck. <laughs> usually i don't have a problem with this because um one of our local breweries dig- you, usually it comes off in a lump doesn't yeah, it, off the top. yeah dig brew used to have uh the wax bottles oh, which you really i liked, always remember i loved those first lockdown i remember for a few reasons but i'll always remember first lockdown for finding dig brew mm. and i was like oh my god there's people doing these like wax top bottles like 330s as well they were so cool i reckon they'll do i reckon they'll do a wax bottle set at some point again just to tap back into it 
got to say, at Brew London, I actually spent quite a bit of time with uh, mm. with Dig Brew, and we were chatting away to to their brewers for some time as well. We'll tell you more about that later. Uh-huh. Well, now I know. Now I know there's Columbus in that. I can taste it. So, having eventually prized the wax lid off, I've now got before me a 330 ml bottle of Nerd Brewing's Infix Imperial Milk Stout vanilla macchiato edition now we were saying that i'm surprised that i haven't had nerd before because there's a lot of nerds knocking around in recent months but this has been sitting on the Mm. shelf for some time now um but you'd be happy to know um, it's not out out of date for another five years uh 2026 the best before date is it's the great thing about these big stouts you buy them you don't have to drink them immediately because they've got these massive dates on them so nerd brewing was founded as a commercial gypsy brewery in 2015. The name Nerd Brewing comes from the fact that this guy, uh, Hans, Hans Gruber, his background was in computer science and uh, software development. <laughs> so he was a bit, just, of, a bit of a nerd. Is, is Hans Gruber not the diehard villain? Well, you see, I'm saying Hans Gruber and I'm thinking, that name rings a bell for some reason. What a great name, though, <laughs> if that is what you say is I true. Think, I think that's diehard... The original first one, Hans Gruber, is... It definitely rings a bell. <laughs> yes. You got it right. Hans Gruber. Oh, excellent. <laughs> that adds an extra dimension to it then, doesn't it? Right, so mm. so we've got this milk stout. We've had this conversation a couple of times. I've had quite a few milk stouts over the last few months, and I've gravitated towards yet another one. But I'm happy with that. It's quite pungent on the nose, lots of sort of, uh, sort of licorice and sweetness there. I poured it like a bit of a muppet with a bit of a head, but it's not too much. So let's go for a taste. What was the percentage on this as an imperial? Ten point five. Now I've only had one to the best of my knowledge, and I do have another in the fridge. The nature of their beers means you might have maybe purchased one and it's sat on the shelf yeah. or in the back of the fridge, and you're thinking about it because they don't really do low ABVs, do they? They no. seem to have just gone in at the high end. Their thing is big hitting. Mm. imperial stouts and goodness me this hits you over the head would you call it a milk stout no it's not giving me that milk stout flavor i would expect this is more of a traditional russian imperial stout i would say i'm not getting that texture and the sort of creaminess that you get with a milk stout that's not there for me at all yeah a milk stout sort of lets you up at the Maybe if not the start in the middle, doesn't it? It, mm. it? It gives you a bit of relief because it's light and creamy, and then you get a bit of bitterness at the end. Is that just full on flavour? This is full on very dark fruits and licorice, as it's you know, the macchiato edition. There's coffee as well, but that milkiness that you would expect that's not there. Not that it makes. But do it, you um, like it? I would prefer it if the milkiness was there. Right, okay. You say milk stout, you immediately have an idea of what that should taste like, mm. and it doesn't. If it said Russian Imperial Stout on the front, I'd be geared up for tasting a Russian mm-hmm. Imperial Stout. It's a bit, it's a sipper. You wouldn't want to be down in this quick. A nice third, I think, at the end of the night the, uh, the, is the way to, to drink this. So it really carries not only the ABV sort of in the nose and the taste, but in the body as well. That oh, yeah. is just... It's just big. Yeah, this is a big hitting beer. This is for your heavyweight drinkers, this is. 
I was uh, doing a bit of research. They've had 92 different beers out, I think, since they started. So there's plenty to choose from. And recently they've had an Imperial Porter, um, an Imperial Chili Stout, an Oak-Aged Imperial Vanilla Stout. You get get the impression what their thing is Mm. here. I'd be quite interested to see if those stouts did taste of what they're supposed to uh, taste like. This wouldn't certainly wouldn't put me off trying them again. See what's interesting, actually, I've noticed quite a few bottle shops must have had quite a lot of these in because you can still find them on bottle shop websites, usually at a reduced price. Yeah, they don't seem to shift. No. I know what you mean, and I don't know whether that's because it was what. They were priced up at, in fact, they're Scandi beers, and Scandi beers do have a bit of a hike on them price-wise, or whether it's because they don't grab front and centre. If it's not Omnipolo, it's not It's not worth picking up. I mean, I would say, in fairness, if, if my can, Apex one, was put into a shelf, I might pick it. it it's decent enough, but it could easily fall into the yeah, pack. Yeah. Maybe that's something. I've got Nerd Bottle, and I've seen Nerd Bottles, so they don't massively stand out actually uh, hmm. glad I had it uh, wouldn't put off any others but would tread carefully thinking am I going to get what I'm expecting here I think that probably accurately sums up our little trip to Sweden because I wouldn't put anyone off having anything from Apex because I've not not enjoyed this it's a decent dipper if you wanted this beer could a British brewery do it and you wouldn't have to pay the premium mm. and I would think yes <laughs> It's a time of the podcast where we press the button and play this pretty funky music. We're big fans of this. And we introduce to you our second drink-along feature in association with our sponsor, Hall Beer Shop in Stourbridge in the West Midlands. They've very kindly provided the drinks that we get through here, and hopefully you've bought them and you're going to drink them with us. They're on Daft About Craft. Three beers, as usual. We've got them lined up in front of us. And we can't wait to get stuck in. Middle of the road wouldn't be a fair description of what we've picked, but there's nothing outlandish, is there? There's no stupid ABVs and there's no real sort of weird and wonderful styles. We've gone not safe, but I think we're just trying to showcase some different breweries and Mm. what people can do. And with that in mind, we're going for, I think, I don't know, are they now so understated they're almost overstated because everyone says the same about them it's the colonel do you know there was a time when i first got into the scene that oh yeah the colonel colonel there's the brand but also again we've all seen them hmm. now i'll go for something more exciting but now i've almost gone full circle and i really enjoy going back to colonel and really enjoy their beers they're just excellent beers one after the other that's it, it every beer they do i've never had a bad beer from them i wouldn't say I've ever had an exceptional beer but I've always had a really good beer and I think they've just got their niche they know what they do they like messing around a bit with sort of the saisons and mm. things like that which are, which are always very good we haven't got a saison here we've got a pale ale but it's using the Nigma hop which isn't a hop I've had loads of I think it's sort of come back into a little bit of favour it seems I've seen it about a little bit more but this is a pale ale just dedicated to Enigma so if you've never had Enigma what can you expect from it? Without looking it up, I could say I would. that is crisp and dry, mm. and it's actually quite full as well. If you like caviar, you'd like that. It's fruity, but it finishes quite dry, but it's not double dry hopped or anything like that. 
Also, the sort of official description says that it should have notes of raspberries, red currant, light tropical fruit. I'm not sure. I get, I get the last bit. Yeah, I get the last bit. Not much of the first bit. We'll have to see as we go if we find any more of that. I mean, this is a bit of a step down in some ways for you. You've you've been here, there, and everywhere. Actually, getting you seated in front of the mic to do this episode has been quite tough because you've. Well, you know, there's no stopping me now. Uh, I was going to say now the warm weather's here, but the nights are starting to draw in now and it's getting dark again a lot earlier, so it's sort of nearly autumn. But yeah, we've been out and about and well, we've been going everywhere we can, really. We went down to Brew London. I say we, that's me and Mrs D. I think you were working that day, weren't you, Dave? What as did, usual. What did you do that for? Mm-hmm. You will be doing it next year, that's for sure. <laughs> actually, Brew London was good. We went for the day and... The day was not long enough. We went for the trade session on Thursday, and then we stayed for the actual public session on the Thursday night, and we could have done with another day as well. In fact, we nearly ended up staying in a hotel nearby uh, with a view to going back the next day, but in the end, we didn't. thought, get the last train home. Therein lies a bit of a story, because as you drink your pale ale from the Colonel, I shall tell you all about it. So we made headway for the station at uh, Marylebone to get the last train back to Birmingham. Seven minutes past 11 the last train was. Unfortunately, we got to the station at 10 minutes past 11 and uh, it had gone. And uh, there was only one more train going in our direction and that was going to Banbury, uh, which is about 55 miles from where we live. Desperate phone calls were made to all sorts of people, but most of them didn't want to know because it was late at night. So uh, we ended up getting a taxi back from Banbury to our neck of the woods. Said to the geezer, how much is this going to be? £125, please, sir. <laughs> yeah, I said, well, no, we'll try again. Keep going. Go down a bit and we'll we'll see we'll see how this pans out. So he goes down, 110, no, 100, no, 90. So keep going, keep going. 80. I'm thinking 80 is not too bad. We'll take the 80. We should have been paid danger money to get in that taxi. I think he was falling asleep on the journey back. He had the aircon on, freezing cold. He had the windows open. He went round about the wrong way when the lorry was coming towards us. He was driving on the hard shoulder of the motorway at one bit. That reminds me of a very, very similar taxi ride I had, also weirdly in the West Mids. That was going from Birmingham to Leicester one morning, and it was morning. I'd been out all night in Birmingham. We'd been clubbing, and that was waiting for the first train at six, and then it was... It was Sunday service or something, so it didn't work. So we went and got a cabbie. Luckily, the other people in the car fell asleep. I did not, and that was a horrendous journey back, and I was glad I stayed awake for it. This sounds familiar. My wife was asleep, and it's a good job she was asleep because she'd have gone absolutely bonkers if she'd have seen what was going on. But we took it as a win in the end, because although although it cost us 80 quid to get home, the guy did actually leave the meter running, and it said 147 by the time we got home. So in my eyes, I was 67 quid up. And plus, you hadn't paid for any beers all day, had you? No, no, absolutely not. And the actual fit for beer festival itself was fantastic. We made some uh, some great contacts. Mm. We just found that as we were moving around, there was dozens and dozens of brewers in there. Uh, we were spending about half an hour talking to each one. 
it was a really enjoyable time because it was a trade session. They were geared up to talking to people, not just serving beer and moving on to the next customer. So everybody was really happy to sit and talk. We made some great contacts and also managed to bump into John from Lords. That was an absolute pleasure because we've done a live YouTube with him before now. He's been on the podcast. Great to catch up with him. And I actually took him to one side into a special room, actually, that uh, Lords had hired out for the day so they could do some social media stuff. And I had a chat to him. And this is what we were talking about. So we're at Brew London with John from Lords. What do you enjoy most about Brew London? I tell you what, it's been amazing meeting everybody. And actually, I've got two crazy beer reviewers with me. Simon Martin from Real Ale Craft Beer and Paul from Paul's Beer Reviews. And uh, we've just been, we have had a lot of fun. Even today, we've just talked to people, gone places... We've actually got in the room right now one of our YouTube viewers, Hulk Mark B. I've got to say, it's so strange because I've seen these people on YouTube and now they're here in front of me. It's very strange. I'm a a bit in awe of these people as well. It's it's really strange, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, and I've got to say, of uh, beer festivals I've been to, um, this is a very well-organised, good, fun, and there's some great breweries. It's absolutely jam-packed with top breweries here and I've got to say I cannot wait to come again next year it's a shame we've got to go home really shortly because yeah, uh, I know you're going home we're here for the whole thing don't rub it in don't Sorry, rub it in I mean, I'm, just not... saying, I'm just saying that you know we're here for the entire thing from the start to the finish actually maybe I can stay and my wife can go back <laughs> is that possible yeah Dave I'll tell you what we'll send you some pictures see, the, the, the funny bit is what you can't see on this soundbite is Dave's missus has got sunglasses on. She's got a Lord's Brunco t-shirt and she's currently wearing a baseball cap backwards. Yeah, I mean, I don't recognise this person. This is very strange. It's a very strange business. So, out of all the breweries here, whose beer are you most looking forward to sampling, other than your own, of course? Well, I've sampled a lot of good beers from other breweries today. My favourite... Now, Paul went and got a Saison, which was... What ABV was that? Ten point five, and it and it and it was a black saison, wasn't it? Leviathan Brewing. Leviathan Brewing, oh, okay, yeah. and it drank like a five percenter. Yeah. Really easy going. Didn't have that saison weirdness. It was just nice. Uh, it was a is a fantastic experience. Um, great beer. I really like that one. I had a really nice Pilsner from Pillars Brewery. Vocation. They gave us a wicked beer on the roll or something on the road. Yeah, it's got a picture of a turtle, which is. And the most important thing is, Dave, that Vocation gave us a pair of socks. And I've actually got a pair of love and hate socks. Did that make you feel good? I did. He did. He did. I'll roll with it. That's Vocation's new beer. Roll with it. That's an exclusive. That is an exclusive. I'm a little bit jealous. I need some socks. Are no, they give, do they give socks to anybody or just... No, the, you've got to be cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no chance, then, no chance. No, Dave, look, I'll be honest with you, if you were here for a few more days... Yeah, you've got to flirt with him. You've got to wine him, dine him. You can't just yeah. jump into bed so with Terry Tibbs. <laughs> you can't just rock up and expect free socks, can you? No, no, it's true. It's not true. It's not, true. Cricket, it's not, not how it goes. They just chuck that. So, yeah, no, I, 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 there's loads out there. We were just, Simon was just pushing me, come on, John, let's uh, 
Let's go out and let's do some more stuff. Where do we go? And I just realised, just looking out, there's half the hall I haven't visited. I there's say, so many. Where we're sitting right now, we have literally got the VIP area. We are looking down on the whole of Brew London in front of us. And it is a sort of sea of breweries and stuff just waiting to be explored. It's a tremendous view up here. It is. It's epic. Yeah. It is. It's it's uh, the crow's nest. Uh, Brew London were kind enough to give us a, a room to do our podcast in. Um, we have actually turned it into a bit of a mess, so we need to have a tidy up <laughs> before we go. But uh, yeah, it's been really handy actually to have this room just to come up, do our podcast, do a bit of filming, do a bit of this, that, and the other. Like now, we're filming in here, and uh, I don't know if you can hear it on the video. We've still got the ambiance. Yeah. You can hear the music can, in the background. You can really sort of still feel the vibe, even though we're upstairs, yeah, away nice. from the main hall. You can still hear it and feel it. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm really enjoying myself. I'm slightly concerned that I'm going to be too tired by the end of this. So it, I've got to drive back as well, so we've done... Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, so <laughs> I, yesterday I was up at 4, oh. 4.45. I drove all the way down here. We set up all with the crew, did a great job. We went back to the hotel. The lads went on a drinking binge. You went to bed early, yeah? I actually did go to bed <laughs> early, yeah. And then this morning, all the guys, they were down here doing the final checks. We got down here with Paul's Beer Reviews and Abby. And we, what time did we get here? About... We were about half ten. Half ten. ten. Yeah. Then Simon, you turned up at... One-ish. One-ish, yeah. yeah. And we're here until midnight. And then we're heading back. And then tomorrow... Do it all again. We've got to do it all again, yeah. And then Saturday, we've got an even longer stint, haven't we, on Saturday? Two public sessions, isn't it, Saturday? Yeah, yeah. And you call this work? This sounds fantastic. Yeah. Well, it is. I, I can't mind. It is really, really good. And uh, we've got a great crew. Dave's coming back, isn't he? He's coming back. He's coming back for the Saturday. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to be here all weekend already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's always next year. It's very tempting. Next year. The next year, year we'll... we'll uh, we might take next door stand as well. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I'm really pleased. We had a chance to move to a bigger, bigger stand, and actually, the big stand's great. And I think, but we're not quite there yet. And I think for us, when we grow a bit more, we get a bit more stuff. Yeah. I think being in the main sort of hubbub of everything is where you need to be. Yeah. I do. Do you know what? I've been so impressed with how friendly everybody has been. We've helped the the company that was setting up next to us. They forgot some bits and bobs that we had, and then they curried stuff down. But then we'd forgotten some stuff, so they actually sent us the stuff we needed. Uh, it just it just worked out really well. We had some we had a problem with one of our pumps. They it was fixed within fifteen minutes. Well, that's so the Brew London team were just bang on it. That's literally the craft beer scene in a encapsulated, isn't it? I mean, that's the, everybody helps each other. It's, it's great, true. You know? Yeah, it's absolutely true. We're going to head out in a minute and do some more filming and talk to some more people. and Let's go. And, and get Let's ourselves to... I've only got... <laughs> what, what are we on now? Oh, my God. It's only... It's not even 10 o'clock. It feels, I am so, it feels like 2 in the morning. I've got to say, it feels about 2 in the morning, but it's not even 10 o'clock yet. No, no. No, so... Uh, Simon's right, we've got to make a final push. Yeah, man. Daft About Craft, the Craft Beer Podcast.
Yeah, so it's great to meet John from Lords finally, and uh, hopefully at some point we will be getting up to Huddersfield because there is a uh, there is rumour of a bit of a collab between Daft About Craft and uh, and Lords at some point, which would be fantastic. Really nice to meet you guys and loads of other people. We spent quite a long time with the head brewer from Dig Brew, which was really nice. Really lovely people from Dig Brew. They were very kind, doling out their cans of twenty three nineteen to us, which uh, you'd have hated, Dave, but I loved fruited sour. I think I've had that fruited sour actually, and as fruited sours go, it's not bad, which will segue nicely into our next beer. But before then, just some sort of final thoughts on the Colonel's Enigma. I really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it a lot as well. I I sort of find that Enigma is a bit kind of a toned down galaxy. It's quite earthy. It is earthy. I think the longer you drink it, probably it gets a bit more earthy and a little bit more dank Mm. and the fruitiness doesn't quite disappear but it does sort of recede a bit i think if you like that there's a whole world of other beers where it might be a bit more sort of turned up to 11 you could try and if you don't i would still say you should try the kernel but go for maybe some of their ones where they're using citra mosaic and simcoe and things like that yeah they take and the, and the kernel's table beer is an excellent beer as well mm, yes it is an that's excellent beer. one to check out and talking about fruit as we just did briefly there our next beer in the drink along is a triple berry fruited session sour from Northampton from Three Hills, who I've got to say have been absolutely knocking brilliant sour out after brilliant sour, all part of the Forbidden Fruit range. And I'm really hoping this is going to be quite something. That's interesting that pouring that out there, that's a very natural, quite sort of pale pink in colour. Can you tell who's excited to have this beer and who is sitting somewhat in silence with it? Goodness, that's nice. (laughs) Have you had any yet or not? Or can you not bring yourself to do it? No, I ha- no, I will do. I was just, I was just thinking this this month was actually, or sorry, this episode was actually quite tough for you in terms of the drink along because Hall have got quite a lot of sours and gozes, and you, I think. If you'd have had half a chance, you probably would have done all three. Look, mate, if 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 I had my way, we'd just be drinking sours and stouts on here. Oh, that's that's a really lovely palate cleanser before we go on to the Rock Leopard in a few minutes' time. Lovely and light and fruity and zingy. Bit of salt in there as well, I think. I get the raspberries, and I actually do get a bit of blueberry as well. So the other berry I should be getting is blackberry. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it that. I think I do get all of those. Oh, it does say the addition of a touch of vanilla softens the sourness. Yeah, I'd completely agree with that. You know what? As sours go, as someone who is forever going to take convincing, I don't mind that. Taste of fruit. Do get the vanilla. It is a good palate cleanser. You're right. And I think if you want to try more sours, you should go for this series from Three Hills because um, they are so... So they're saying it's a session sour as well. Four and a half percent. Yeah, which is very, very drinkable, isn't it? Of course, Fault Cities do a lot of session sours. They release a new one every two weeks. Have a crack at those as well if you want to. And if you were waiting for the inevitable mention of Vault City to have a drink in an episode, please drink. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I can't have a sour and not mention Vault City. It's it's almost illegal. So what have you been up to, Dave, then, while I've been sort of uh, touring the country, going to tap rooms and and uh, beer festivals and all the rest of it? What have you been up to? Well, I think, unfortunately, this is just slightly the month after the Lord Mayor's show because the previous episode was sort of all about me and us in terms of the wedding to and i'll tell you what dave i think people are genuinely interested in finding out about it because that last <laughs> episode is one of the most downloaded episodes we've ever done 
Well, it's going to be a very tricky way of trying to promote numbers if I've, if one of us has got to keep getting married yeah. every so often. You are having a honeymoon um, in September, though, aren't you? I will have spent a good week or so in Scotland, as well as a bit of Yorkshire and York, specifically York. I'm going to be going to one or two of the three, House of Trembling Madness bars. Both are really good places if you've never been. And I'll be stocking up probably there with beer for the rest of Scotland. But Scotland is not going to let me down, I don't think, because we're going to Edinburgh for a couple of nights where we will not be short of options. So we're going to be trying to head out to the Leith area and where the brew the breweries are based. Stirling in between, that might be a bit of a harder poke. So if anyone knows of anything really good in Sterling outside of the brew dog, please let us know on our usual social channels and then we're finishing up at lock final lock fin i apologize if, for which pronunciation is right and which is wrong and that's where lock fin ales are and i know they've got some barrel age stuff they recently released so i'll probably try and pick up some of that so all in all that should be a really good trip and it should be quite beer centric from my point of view does katie know this or i think i'll have to box clever and and seek my wins where i can but the good thing is Edinburgh certainly has a very healthy gin scene. Yes. So we can mix it up a bit in that respect, and then everyone's happy. Well, look, I've really enjoyed this, Sarah. That has gone down an absolute treat. And have you nearly drunk all of yours as well? I have nearly drunk all oh, of mine. So that is impressive. That has to, yeah, that has to show it's a bit of a victory, isn't it? So if you've never done the drink along with us before, we've been doing this for some time now. This is a second one with our sponsors, Hall Beer Shop. If you want to see what they've got on their website, get along to hall-beer.com. When we release our new beers for the next Drink Along, you'll see the Drink Along pack go on there. Just grab them. You can get a 15% discount with the code DAFTHALL. Happy days. You can then sit there drinking these beers while we drink them, and uh, we can compare notes on, on Instagram, can't we? Unless there's going to be a lobbying movement to have a sour on the next one, enjoy this while you can, because we won't be having a sour on the next one. Let me just, to keep, just to keep things different. It'll be a Pilsner, a wheat beer, and a Doppelbock. <laughs> well, saying that, I've actually got into uh, wheat beers a little bit recently. I actually uh, had a couple. In the same way that you're being slowly converted down the sour route, I'm getting converted into the Pilsner and wheat beer uh, way of things. But that's the great thing, isn't it, about craft beer, that uh, your tastes change and develop over time. Yeah, you're right. Tastes definitely change over time. And I think as well, when certain areas of the market have got a bit saturated, for example, hazy pails, although ironically, we're about to drink hazy pail, but that's fine. I have found I've gone to gone back to other styles just to have something a bit different. But as I say, we're not doing it with this one because it's Rock Leopard, who I've only ever had one beer from before, really enjoyed it. It's next to a mountain, which is a DDH IPA, 7%. So for all your talk of style changing, this is right in my wheelhouse, less so yours. If you open my fridge, there's always going to be about four or five beers very similar to this. And I think it's a bit like you have your fridge and that forbidden fruit would be kind of your go-to. Five and a half to seven percent double dry hopped IPA, that's my go-to. Yeah, my top shelf is the sour and this is your top shelf, the sort of a creme de la creme in your fridge. It's quite an interesting little nose, actually. Well, I tell you what, I've just noticed this has got mosaic cryo in it, and we were talking about cryo uh, hops on the last episode, 
And yes, yeah, cryo pop. Mosaic cryo is essentially a, a ramped up mosaic, isn't it? And if more, you, more concentrated, yeah. And if you smell that nose, it's all there, isn't it? It's really fruity. So it's a New England style IPA which fades into a West Coast IPA with a restrained bitterness. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what you think of this. As we touched upon earlier, you, you've been doing some gallivanting. You were in London, and then you've had a couple of weeks off, and you were back in the north of the country, up in Yorkshire, and you, much like I'm going to do, made, made sure to visit various establishments. So what were your sort of highlights from your time away? Well, when you go away with your family, your wife and your kids, it's always a fine line because you don't want to um, put them through too much beer hell. So you've got to, you've got to pitch it just right. One of the places we went to, we stayed near Whitby in North Yorkshire, so we had to pay a visit to the Whitby Brewery, which is quite traditional, but it's right in the shadow of uh, uh, Whitby Abbey. They've got this thing now where they do uh, pizzas on a couple of days of the week, so we went up there for a pizza. Sold that to the kids very well. Let's go up there for a pizza, you'll love this. We got there, they just sold out of pizzas. It had the potential to go really well, but there was no pizza. But they may do some crisps and snacks and stuff. But while we were there, I had this beer called Black Death um, 666, which is a 6.66% stout. And oh my goodness, it was so smooth and so full of flavour. Absolutely perfect. Um, I think I had it last year as well, but out of a bottle. But this year, they got it on draft. And if you ever get a chance to try that, you really should. Black Death. So, uh, If you ever get a chance, try Black Death. Yes, try Black <laughs> Death, right in the shadow of Whitby Abbey, which is famed for uh, Dracula, I think, isn't it? Yeah, you'd be sure. Maybe drink it at night as well when it's dark. Drink it in a graveyard. Go the whole hog. Yeah, well, there is a graveyard very nearby, yeah. Also, while we were in Whitby, I had to pay my annual visit to the Green Dragon, which is a bottle shop and a tiny little tap room, tiny little bar the scene of some shenanigans last year when they gave me lots of 50% whiskey. There was no whiskey this time. There's a lovely atmosphere in there, and you, you're quite lucky to get in because it, it's rammed a lot of the time. But everybody sort of chats away, and we took our dog in with us, and she was jumping over everybody, as you can imagine, Dave. They got four or five different beers. I nothing outstanding, but it's always nice to drink beer in the company of other people who enjoy what they're drinking. Sounds very much like the kind of social experience which we've been missing for ages and have only just got back mm. while we're up there we also popped over to teesside to middlesbrough on uh, the friday night to go to Playbrew. is it based on an industrial estate is it one of those sort of tap rooms it, yes indeed and just funny thing was as we got there there's a group of girls who got there just before us actually it's about eight of them and i thought oh this is going to be quite busy in here then we got in there and there was just us two that group who sat outside and another couple but although it was quiet, it was lovely in there. Really, really nice. You could see the you could see the brewery side of things behind you as you can in so many of these tap rooms. It reminded me of Dea's old uh, tap room. In fact, um, they've just moved across their industrial estate in Cheltenham now. It reminded me of their previous one, or a bit like Glasshouse, where you've been to, Dave. Mm-hmm. A bit like that. But the bar staff, lovely bar staff, really attentive. Um, couldn't do enough for you. They'd got 12 different lines right across the spectrum, sort of starting with the Pilsner on the left, their own Pilsner, working their way across to a big Wonder Beyond stout on the right-hand side. So guess which idiot thought it'd be really cool to do all 12 of them? 
and and it's and it would seem as well let the record show that someone did not have a healing wall there was no healing wall to help you was there there was no healing wall it was it it it, it was a quite sodden wall in fact but for those who know they know i'm not going into any more details but going back to play bruce pierce they'd got these 12 lines there's about six of theirs and six uh, guest ones apparently usually the whole row is full of their own beers, but they had a beer festival the week before, so they'd still got some stock on from other breweries. Yeah, I had a Wonder Beyond Stout, which was 12%, which came hot on the heels of an 11% triple from Top Rope. And in retrospect, drinking those back-to-back in the space of a few minutes probably wasn't a good idea. No, as you say, with, with hindsight, that that probably doesn't go down as a good idea. And I think I think your dear wife, Lisa, as you say, you don't want to ex- expose them to craft beer hell. I think Lisa got <laughs> to see a little bit of craft beer hell that night. But anyway, Fantas- the important thing is you had a lovely time. <laughs> I did. Fantastic beers. And if you get a chance to go there in Middlesbrough, pop in because they're lovely people. And we hope to get them on the podcast soon as well. So watch this space. Anyway, Dave, how's this beer going down, the, uh, the Rock Leopard? I am enjoying it. I don't know if I think it's particularly straddling both styles, though. And I don't mind that. Like, I think this is more of a New England than it is a West Coast. Mm. I, don't, I don't give it... It doesn't give way to piney resin West Coast style. As we say, if you're trying styles a bit or you want to try a bit more New England and you want a few more beers along that way, because there are var- there's a lot of variations even within something like new england isn't yeah, there you yeah. can you can get the ones which are just soft fruity really hazy and then you get ones which have a little bit of bites you can have ones which are a bit more dank even though they start a bit fruity this is somewhere in the middle i suppose i think so and this is where it gets very confusing i think for a lot of people for us uh, and a lot of other people because there's lots of sort of sub genres within a, a style mm. of beer aren't there yeah, it's a bit like, oh, what what techno do you like? Do you like, you know, pounding techno, acid techno, or deep techno driving? It it it's it's similar to that kind of thing. Mm. It's it can get very niche. And I would say this is one of those where it smells like bubblegum, it tastes nice and sweet, smooth. So if you like it fruity and then ever so slightly bitter at the end, I think you'll really like this. If you want a bit more punch of bitterness at the end. Maybe this won't quite be it, but it's a, it's a good beer. And we hope you've enjoyed drinking along with us. If you have, make sure you pop to hall-beer.com in the next couple of weeks and order the next drink-along pack. Like I said before, pop in the code DAFTHALL and you can get 15% off your order. Anyway, check out our Instagram feed over the coming weeks, days and weeks, and the watch out for the beers we'll be advertising next for the next drink-along. Get them. And drink along with us. Daft about craft. Right, so as you will have heard, I was at Brew London recently and it was a fantastic day down there. Although I was only there for the one day, which wasn't long enough to get round everybody I wanted to speak to. But one of the people I spoke to was Dan, who is a co-owner of Heist Bruco in Sheffield. And we really, really chuffed he's decided to join us on the podcast today and tell us all about Heist. And it's exciting times up there in Sheffield for you, Dan. Yeah, we, um, we started back in uh, 2017 in a small mining village. So this is uh, a big step up from where we were previously. Uh, we're just completing the sort of build at the moment of the new place. So we should tell people you've got a brand new tap room. You're sitting in the tap room now ahead of its opening tomorrow. So this must be all your dreams come in to fruition here. This must be so exciting for you. Yeah, to be fair, it's, uh, 
and stressful. If you asked me back in, if you asked me back in January uh, when we were going to be open, I, I wasn't confident it ever would. Again, to be honest, we still uh, still had a lot to do, uh, but the last few months have been absolutely crazy. Uh, so we're opening a new thirty-line uh, tap room in Sheffield in the Neepsend Callum area, which has got quite a bit of uh, brewing heritage down there. It's sort of like the old industrial area. We are opening tomorrow, as you said. Uh, we did the first soft opening when we were at Brew London, so we missed that. So I'm really looking forward to uh, to welcoming people in whilst I'm also on site. I remember seeing some pictures on Instagram not that long ago when your new place there didn't have a roof, just as lockdown hit, the first lockdown, wasn't it? Yes. So the roof came down the week before the first lockdown, and then everything stopped. The roof was meant to be on back on within a couple of weeks. And it, it's not a massive job, but it was, uh, yeah, lockdown struck the following week, and we were without a roof until December. At least we had a nice summer. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> a thirty-line tap room sounds immense, and I have rudimentary knowledge of Sheffield, and it is formed by I really like Sheffield Forecraft because of when I used to live in Leicester and we used to do any trips up north, you'd stop at Sheffield Station, and of course there's the Sheffield Tap. So how far as the crow flies are you from sort of the train station area? It's kind kind of a weird one. Sheffield's split in so many different areas, and you've got little clusters of, of places. My recommendation, if you're starting the Sheffield Tap, have a couple of beers in there. Um, and jump in an Uber down to sort of Callum Island, it's probably four or five minutes. Uh, you could walk in about 20, but there's not a long, lot along the way. So you're sort of just walking through the void and basically around the ring road. So yeah, it, it's a mile maybe, if that. Okay. Okay, so very easy distance and definite nice sobering up distance on the way back to the train station by the sounds of it. Oh, Definitely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I mentioned this to you at Brew London. 30 lines must make you mm. one of the biggest taps in the country, surely. The, the, I suppose the thing is for us, we're not going, it's not going to be 30 of our own beers necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we started off originally as, as a bar and we just enjoy that many different breweries' beers that we wanted to keep uh, a portion of it for guests. So, yeah, we're going to keep sort of a permanent rotation of. 15 of our own beers, uh, maybe a few more if, if there's any available at the time, and then a rotating guest line as well. Uh, we've got uh, <coughs> some more, lo- more local Yorkshire, Sheffield-based uh, breweries on the board. Uh, we've got some insane uh, US beers Ooh. that we've got, uh, we managed to acquire uh, when we were down in London. Uh, but we also we also do a lot of brewing over in like Europe, in Central Europe, over in Budapest and stuff like that. So we're starting to get uh, permanent pallets over from there. So something a bit different that you might not see elsewhere uh, and just sort of rotating it with people that, that we really enjoy. And um, what do heists do that other breweries don't? You know, what do you sort of pride yourselves on? I think, uh, I think if you just look at what we're doing here at the tap room, I, what we want to do is create an environment that's sort of open to, to, to everyone and to all the family. So I suppose we're creating beers that you can enjoy at the tap. Uh, we do obviously distribute as well, but creating that tap room environment where you can come along, we have all sorts of different drinks here. Um, we have a wide variety of beers. I think that's what we did really well when we were at the, at the previous venue as we started off as a craft focused bar, but we also made sure that ev- everything else on offer uh, was sort of top quality as well. So it's sort of pairing those beers that we do with, with everything else that, that goes with running a successful bar and tap room. One of my wife's massive bugbears is that she often ends up driving when we get to tap rooms and it absolutely drives her crazy if there's no decent soft drinks. So tell us you've got some yeah. decent soft drinks at the tap. 
Yeah, yeah, well, it's it's definitely a big thing. Um, as I said, this, we're trying to sort of focus on on families oh, coming yes. and stuff like that, especially yeah. on the weekend. Yeah. Massive thing in the US, sort of community focused. So we have got a load of different uh, soft drinks from uh, soda folks. So it's a mixture between stuff like ginger ale, and there's cream soda. You've got your standard Coke, Diet Coke, uh, different juices. But then we're going to go for some of the old school classics like Iron Brew, Vimto. This is going to be easy yeah. to persuade if you need to go to Sheffield, then that's good. That's, that's great. Yeah, it's quite, quite a big selection there. Brilliant. <laughs> I like the idea of families coming as well, like on a Sunday afternoon. Somewhere where you can go and just feel relaxed and just chill out and have a few drinks. I love that idea. I, th- I think we've got such a big space and we're in, in one of those areas in Sheffield where there are a lot of families about. And uh, yeah, some, sometimes it can be quite daunting to walk into a tap room if you're not yep. part of the part of the industry or you understand it i'm not saying they're hostile places at all but you know if you're going out and you're thinking oh, i'm not really into beer i'm not really into this not really into that uh yeah we we want to sort of focus on on that side of things as well and, it, and even if you are into beer you might be really into beer and obviously dave manages to drag lisa well, i say drag lisa actually likes going but the family get to go a lot but it's still another step to bring the kids in tow to a tap room and Dave, you had it in Scotland, didn't you? Where you couldn't get actually get the family in in place. Well, this is so. interesting. We, we sort of went for a for a, a weekend in, in Edinburgh last year, and I sort of checked out a few places beforehand. Then when we got there, we found out that it's very very difficult to get kids in anywhere in Scotland. I'm not sure if that's to to do with their licensing laws up there. I don't know, or that whether they just don't like kids. Um, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, it could, it could be. I mean, we, we do have stipulations on what time we can let them in till. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Friday, Saturday nights aren't always the best places. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, like, we, we're not discouraging it as such. It's more, uh, you can make your own judgment whether you think yeah, this is yeah. the environment. And, yeah, be careful. There's people with drinks around just, yeah, well, well-behaved kids, yeah. More than welcome. Anytime. So going back to the start, how did you get into this industry uh, there's me and my business partner Adam. We were working together at a call centre, funnily enough, in Sheffield. And yeah, we were sort of sick of the corporate, the corporate life. Uh, really weren't enjoying it. Uh, you sort of start working your way up. Most people get trapped in it then. And we we started talking, and we decide we're trying to decide of some something to do outside of what we're already doing, and, and looking at each other's strengths. Um, Adam's very good at sales and he always has been and we set up a craft beer export business so working with a number of different breweries to help them sort of export to Europe and essentially working with sales agents it went kind of well we were talking to a lot of different breweries it was difficult work for very little money but that sort of started everything off yeah we decided to if we can get an office we can focus and then we we're looking at prices of offices and it was like nah the price of an office is we can get a small shop and we can sell a few cans and bottles and a bit more income. And then uh, it turned into, well, the place that we took on was a little bit too big for a, for a bottle shop. So it turned into a bar. And then eventually the, the, the sort of export business died because the bar and brewery took over. So it was, it was an accident, nearly. That's often the best way, isn't it, though? And it just, uh, you didn't really plan it. It just, just turns out that way. We've talked about the business. We've talked about the brand new tap room, which we should point out when this podcast comes out, tap room will have been open a couple of weeks. Good couple of weeks by then. So make sure you get down there. And what can people expect? Well, we've got a few of the beers that hopefully they'll be able to try. And Dave, of course, you have a sour. 
So, of course. What's the story behind the sour then? But what we wanted at the tap room with 15 lines, we wanted to sort of cover off most styles. So if you turn up, you're not just got seven different mm. variations of a New England IPA on tap. As much as I'd like it, we don't have 30 sours on tap. We do have about seven. But <laughs> I think... Uh, we- Look at that. That sounds fantastic. Space when yeah. you said that. Yeah, I'm just sort of looking over now and I'm just like, maybe it's more than seven. Maybe we've got eight or nine. Oh, but yeah, goodness. it's... Uh, I think, I think from what we brew, for the tap room anyway, we, we've got the full range uh, of beers. So we employed a new brew team, basically, and we, we just said we want we want a variation for the tap. It's styles we haven't necessarily brewed before, but I think they'll work. So, yeah, beer-wise, you, you can expect everything. <laughs> so this sour is, uh, what's it called? I thought quicksand would be a big pro- bigger problem. Right, yes. And it's um, 3.6%. And it's very 3, 3.6%, good. 3.6%, yeah, raspberry uh, sour. So easy drinking. Very easy, um, yeah. I think it was the beer I drank most of at Brew London just because of the percentage. Yeah, well, that's what drew me to it at Brew London because, you you know, if you're not careful, you're knocking back too many big ABVs when you're there. And it's a long, it's a long day, isn't it, you know? Again, we, we like to have a bit of pronounced sourness in, yeah. in our sour beers. Uh, there are a lot of really good sort of fruited sours out there, but they don't necessarily have a lot sourness to them we have this conversation um, a lot you know a lot of sours aren't actually that sour they're quite sweet these days yeah and, and to be honest this isn't overly sour it's not like it's tart isn't it pucker, pucker up it's tart yeah and we, we do both but I just wanted something that could be in there to cleanse the palate if somebody likes I don't know a raspberry beer or they want sort of a gateway sour beer just yeah. thought it's quite accessible to people drinkable and yeah that, that, that's what I was aiming for something I could pick up and drink a pint of yeah really. <laughs> the thing is we get used to having these massive big beers we're guilty of it we buy all these dippers and tippers and massive stouts and stuff and you can't drink gallons of them can you You know you've got you can't so to have a drink where you can have a couple of pints and feel fine is nice it makes a bit of a change definitely yeah back of my fridge is filled filled with uh, tippers and imperial stouts yep <laughs> same never seems to go down. yeah and yeah, uh, yeah as is mine and i'm surprised at the beer I've got just in terms of the ABV because we're talking here about stuff that's sessionable. I'm drinking related theory mm-hmm. and that's 5.8. Well, I would have said it was about four and a half. It is deceptively easy drinking. Yeah, we're trying to go for the easy drinking styles, um, especially for the tap room, especially for the first runs. But mm. for the for the ABV of that beer, it definitely drinks a lot lower. Yeah, sure. massively. What what's sort of in it? I got a bit of my guess would be it might have some oats in it, but it is as clear as day. It's a lovely pale. Like there's no haze in that whatsoever. Yeah, so this is more of a traditional style pale. Oh. Um and I speak to that we, we don't really do a lot of cask beer. And this was we, we've got three new brewers. This was Rachel, uh, who came from Thornbridge. It was her sort of take on, on, on her on her pale, so her first solo recipe. And I've said if we brew that again, that would be a fantastic sort of cask beer. But yeah, it's, it's got it's got um, it's got some oats in there, not too much, so so it's sort of overtaken with haze. So you've got that sort of. It started a bit. I could just get it to start, and now it's just mellowed off, and now it's just nice and crisp. I would say. Yes, definitely, and it's hopped with Pearl Galaxy and Strata, but it's quite a, quite a tame sort of dry hop in there. It's not not huge at all. Ah. And sort of the malt, the malt sort of balance out with, with, with the hoppiness but we have, she has said that she wants to just up that slightly next time keep it drinkable um mm. 
something you can go back to for, for sort of another another beer. That's really interesting because we've had discussions about Galaxy and how it absolutely takes over a beer. Yeah. That doesn't. Strata, I sort of know pretty well. And again, Strata can be a bit, I like it, but it can get a little bit too much. But that's mm-hmm. beautifully balanced. And it, yeah. as you say, it just it's so cask worthy without without that, that being a dirty word because I know some people don't like that. But this this would work lovely off a handful. You could yeah. chain pints of that quite easily. It's, it's definitely outside of our normal style of how we normally uh, brew a pale. But I suppose this is why we got the 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 guys in that, that we've got. They are sort of opening things up slightly making us think a bit differently about where, where we sit not necessarily saying that that's where we are but it's it's different i i wouldn't have brewed it myself but it really works and it's sold it's sold really well at brew london people come back for, for more and more i would have thought when i saw oh pale on the back of the can i thought right i'm going to pour this out i can probably guess what it might look like and i can probably guess what it will smell like and it's done neither which i love it's really enjoyably different the best comparison i can think of is when we've had lords dave and their mm. hot bill was a bit different mm. and then something like silver spur it's not nearly as dry as silver spur but it's on that kind of tip and it's it's so drinkable it's a lovely pint please please thank rachel for me it's really i will so, yeah. you, so you mentioned rachel from thornbridge what background have your other two brewers got uh so we've got two others we've got scott who is sort of a head brewer he came from abbeydale previously at Buxton and Brewdog. So he is uh, very experienced. I think he's been in the industry about 10 years. He brings a complete wealth of knowledge that he's just picked up. To be fair, between him and uh, Rachel, what they don't know about beer processes, they've been trained sort of by the best best people. Mm. They're fantastic. And then interestingly, the, the, third, the third person we've got is a guy named Chris, who is probably one of the best baristas in Sheffield. We were looking for a barista. We weren't necessarily looking for another brewer, um, but he is a home brewer who wanted to make a step into commercial brewing. From what I've seen, breweries that employ home brewers tend to do really well yeah. because they push the boundaries yeah. a little bit more. Mm. They're not scared to experiment. That's the thing. That's it. Especially when they're very good home brewers, yeah. when they bring in a bottle to a bottle share and it tastes like an insanely mm. good commercial beer. So so for Chris, it, it was just getting that as well. You know, some somebody to push them outside of their comfort zones a little bit, where they maybe have come from. So the the mad scientist to their yes, oh, definitely, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. So within this, within the beers I've sent you, there is one from each of them that they have done. So that was Rachel's. The sour was sort of a collaborative effort, and then between the other two, that's one of them Scots and one of them's uh, Chris's. Ah, that's interesting. Oh, okay, that's that's exciting. Yeah, oh, makes me want to open all of them now and see if I can guess which is <laughs> which. Yeah, we'll be we'll be here just getting slowly drunk. <laughs> yeah, related theory again. This was one 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 that I'll drink. But the reason why they use Pearl, Strata, and Galaxy that is they're all related. Pearl is sort of the mother, and then you've got uh, Strata and Galaxy are sort of sibling. You don't, uh, varieties. You don't see a lot of Pearl, do you, Dave? No, and I'm I'm really intrigued by this idea of hot relationships or sort of family trees. Makes sense actually. It it's does. something I literally hadn't thought of until you just said it. And then of course, how do you make new hops? Well, you yeah, you've got to do the inter stuff. So of course, oh, that that's really interesting. They they work well together as you would probably expect them to. Absolutely, and, uh, yeah. And just sort of going back to yourselves, 
We've got four months now to the end of the year. What are the hopes for, for Heist before the end of 2021, moving into 2022? What, what plans have you got? I suppose what, what one of the key targets and one of the things that was meant to happen with the original move is uh, upgrading the brew kit with five barrel. We have some 20 hectolitre fermenters, so we, we, we can knock out a fair bit of beer on there. It's all dependent, I suppose, on the market recovering and there not being any other sort of restrictions in place. So we're just holding fire on that at the moment. So to be able to expand that would be great. That'll be more towards summer 2022. Um, yeah, and just sort of championing the tap room and getting people in to try the beers. Most of there'll be one of us around at all times that can talk you through exactly what's gone in there. Uh, be it one of the brewers or uh, one of uh, me or Adam, the directors. Um, yeah, we, we just want, want to have people back in again. Nearly a year and a half since we last served yeah. someone and spoke to someone face-to-face and spoke about what we're doing. So, yeah, just getting people down there and just expanding that, that sort of name out there again. Daft About Craft, the Craft Beer Podcast. All right, it's time for a little bit of this now. Tried and Tested, where we tell you our favourite beer since our last episodes. We both uh, trawled through all the beers we've been drinking in the last few weeks, and we'll tell you what we've liked the most. Dave, you can kick us off with this one. Little bit disappointed that I I could have used these guys as brew to me, although I think a lot of people would have said, how have you managed to miss these, for which I'm very sorry. Uh, my beer is Bamboo Bones by Chainhouse Brewing Co., and I know they're about, but I don't think they're sort of nationwide yet. And I would say, if you like Rivington, you'll absolutely love this. When I drank this, it was completely like drinking a Rivington beer for the first time. Really thick, really fruity, really hoppy. Everything was in balance and I absolutely loved it. And now I'm just going to be seeking out more chain house when I can get it. And what did you give that on on tap, Dave? 3.4, was it? It was a straight four. Oh, wow. And it it was only, uh, which for me is high. I couldn't go beyond that just because of the of the type of beer it was. This this is a 5.5% New England Pale, so it's never going to be able to do masses and masses and masses. But what it did do, it did it very well. And I am going to Brew London for my favourite beer from the last few weeks. We spent a little bit of time at the Fallen Acorn stand, chatting away probably quite drunkenly to uh, the guys behind the desk there, and they kindly gave us some of their 10.5% Imperial Porter. It's called As the Sea Breeze Hits My Lungs. Hazelnuts, peanuts, cacao, sweet, indulgent, chocolate, caramel, biscuit. It was all there. I do wish I'd have managed to uh, bring some away with me. It's still available on their website, Fallen Acorn, and uh, 10.5% Imperial Porter. Absolutely beautiful, really excellent from Fallen Acorn, whose beers I've had a few of recently. I've been impressed again and again. If you get a chance to get any, make sure you do. Time for a bit of this now. enjoy this part of the podcast it's hype or tripe now if you're not tuned in before and heard this it's where we take a beer that's been doing really well and we see if it lives up to the hype see if it's as good as everybody says it is and this time we're going 
north to Newcastle. And we've got a beer from Wylam, a triple IPA, Dave. I don't think we've had any Wylam on the podcast before, which isn't necessarily an oversight. They're, they're very good. They probably just haven't really done any beers that we've picked out almost. And they definitely had a really big spell probably a couple of years ago, it felt like, where everything they were chucking out, everyone was all over. And I don't know if it's just way the scene works that they'd sort of faded into the background a bit while still continually doing good stuff but anyway we saw this tipper which is their first tipper they've done this year and it's called betty the bat now i've purposely now not looked at what the name means because you know and told me you knew what what the name it is it's named after a legendary tyneside pub landlady who uh, apparently didn't suffer fools gladly and kept a cricket bat behind the bar Hence, ah. Betty the Bat. So is the woman on the can Betty the Bat, or I, is it just a sort of mock-up of what Betty the Bat might have been like? Yeah, I don't, I've don't. i got a, pic, uh, a picture of the real Betty the Bat, who's now uh, no longer with us, in front of me. Uh, it's not the same person. I do like the idea of tapping into some sort of Tyneside bar mm. folklore, then. Like yeah, that. I love but that. What we've got here is 10.5% tipper. Those who've listened to the last episode, we had a beer in our drink along session which used the cryo pop hop. This has that, so that'll be interesting to see and just how powerful it gets for a stronger beer. And all of a sudden, that cryo pop is everywhere, uh-huh. as predicted right here mm. three weeks ago. It's a new toy for brewers, isn't it? Yeah. It's going to be what can they do with it? So, Wylam have put it with Citra, Simcoe, Amarillo, and Idaho 7. So this should be, I would say, all of the fruit and perhaps a little bit of dryness or bitterness at the end from Simcoe combined with Idaho 7. That would be my guess. Just having a little sniff there. I don't think you're too far wrong at all. It smells like a Wylam, and I've not had a Wylam for a while, but it still really smells like a Wylam beer. They always come in on the sort of deeper, orangey side, regardless really of what type of beer they're doing, I've found. That packs a punch, doesn't it? Cool, doesn't it? <laughs> not not necessarily in an alcohol sense. That is sticky. Mm. That's the, my main takeaway from that is that's really sticky. I think my main issue I've got early doors with this is just struggling to pick out any definitive flavour. Let's have a let's have a go. What you mean? Fruit. Fruit, yeah. <laughs> Orange coloured fruits. Orange and yellow mm. fruits. Yeah. I mean, you don't always have to be able to pick out a flavour, do you? I would perhaps like a little bit more refinement than that. But It's a bit like when you go to the curry house for a curry and you have a meat curry. Mm. I never quite know what meat is. Always a bit dubious of that. Let's look at their description. So it's uh, Imperial Triple IPA, a no-nonsense bruiser Imperial IPA brewed with strategic unction, wallop and clout compounded, bashed and beaten into submission, releasing relentless clods of immeasurable tropical badu. Goodness me, a lot of big words in there. Didn't think I'd get through that. There's supposed to be a decadent ooze of over... <laughs> a decadent ooze of over-ripened hog plum, mango, pineapple, custard apple, blood orange and pink grapefruits, which is all swaddled together in a subtropical piñata, awaiting your disfigurement and ruination. Good marketing there. Yes, I mean, uh, yeah. 
anything that's awaiting in your disfigurement and rumination will log in the mind, I suppose. I can imagine if you had a couple of these, you would be uh, on the way to ruination mm. as well. Mm. I'm getting a bit of blood orange as well now. Now we know what's in there. Mm. Which is always a bit of a thing. I prefer to guess and then be backed up with it rather than be told yeah. and then oh yeah no that does taste like what you said it does i'm not sure what a hog plum is though i mean am i being thick or do you have many hog plums in your household no we do not have many hog plums in our household is that actually a thing or i don't know we used to have a plum tree still- but it but it but it died and i had to chop it down but I, maybe they were hog plums who knows a hog plum that does exist ah. It's a species of tree. Hang on. The mature fruit has a leathery skin and a thin layer of pulp. Yeah, probably checking in with your mangoes and whatnot. It's mm. one of those. I think I'd rather be sharing this can. It's a lot for one person, isn't it? It's very, in- it's very intense. The cryopop, the whole thing is the intensity. So It does, although I'd actually say the left-handed giant one we had was more intense. I'm not really in either camp with this. No, I mean, it's obviously not tripe. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, a, it's a quality beer, but tippers by their very nature, you think, you know, there's a lot of hype surrounding triple IPAs, aren't there, these days from breweries. They love a, a triple IPA, and you expect them to be real world beaters every time. Yeah, I mean... It's... I'm wondering if the tipper is slightly becoming a new dipper now, though. Yeah, could be right there. Makes me think that before long, every everybody will be knocking out a, a, a quad IPA. I hope they don't really, because some of the ones we've tasted we've not really enjoyed very much. They're, they're even more up and down, aren't they? There's mm. been there there has been the odd one which really gets it right, but then I think the stronger you get, the more rough and ready it gets, and it's just so hard that it seems to contain the back end of one of those, and it just gets a bit rough quite quickly. Mm-hmm. This is fine. I think the best thing not- about this beer was the description. Is one the name, which is superb. And a real great nod to a, obviously a big character mm. uh, on Tyneside, and to the description, and then the beer for me falls somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think that's fair. I will say, in its defence, it does keep changing a little bit. Uh, we love that sort of thing, don't we? We like mm. we get a bit fed up if a beer just tastes the same from start to finish. So when it every mouthful's a bit different, we're usually it, all over that, aren't we? It's not one note, no, and I wonder not. actually if. Um, other people might have this and they might absolutely love it because it whatever one of the notes it hits it absolutely picks it out to them and it really sings for them which is great and that's all part of craft beer and the experience with it so it might well work someone else might get this and they might give it a five or something and be blown away that other people just don't get it Mm. it it could be one of those perhaps it is a bit better than just all right yeah I, i I think to say it's all right would be an understatement, but to say that it lived up to any hype surrounding it would maybe be an overstatement. We'll, we'll pop it in the middle. We'll sit on the wall with that one, I think. Sit on the fence. Yeah, maybe maybe put one leg towards tripe. You've been listening to Daft About Craft, the craft beer podcast, sponsored by Hall Beer Shop in Stourbridge in the West Midlands. Check them out at hall-beer.com.